Welcome to the SSPX Podcast. This week, we're doing an interview, part of our interview series with Mr. James Vogel. He's the communications director of the U.S. District of the Society of St. Pius X and is also the editor of Angelus Press. So we had a lot of questions for him this week, some of which are about the 50th anniversary of the SSPX, which is being celebrated next year. We'll chat a little bit about whether or not the Archbishop could have foreseen the form that the SSPX has taken on and what it is doing in various parts of the world and the United States today. Also, we'll be talking a little bit about some of the new websites that are being produced by the SSPX. There's a brand new one that was launched just about a month ago called fsspx.life. We'll dive into that and what the purpose was for launching a whole new website and also what it is that he wishes every single person knew about the Society of St. Pius X. We'll also talk about the Angelus Press Conference, the Conference for Catholic Tradition, on October 4th through the 6th. That is put on by Angelus Press, and the topic is defense of the family. Why was it that Angelus Press decided this was an important enough issue to devote a second conference to? Also, we'll talk about a few new releases that Angelus Press is doing, and I asked him about The One That Got Away, a book that he wishes Angelus Press could have published that he really loves. Yes, we're doing book reviews this week, and it's coming up next on the SSPX Podcast. So we're talking today with the Communications Director of the U.S. District of the Society of St. Pius X. That's a long title. Hello, James Vogel. How are you? Hi, Andrew. I'm well. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. And uh, wanted to chat with you a little bit because we have a few things going on in the Society of St. Pius X uh, here in 2019. Um, and so I guess we'll touch on a few of the society things, uh, because again, you're the communications director, but you're also the editor of Angelus press. So if we have some time, maybe we can chat a little bit about, uh, what Angelus press is doing. Is that all right with you? Absolutely. Great. Great. Well, the 50th anniversary of the society of St. Pius X, uh, that is <laughs> next year, 20, next, 2020 next year. Yeah. And I don't know if that's, you know, I, one of the things I wanted to chat with you about was, you know, is this something that you think the Archbishop would have foreseen the the SSPX lasting for fifty years? I think that's a it's a great question. I'm sure he would have, but of course, it would have been hard to imagine. I think in in 1970, the crisis lasting as long as it has and in the way that it has. So I. I, I forget exactly what the timing was, but I think there's there's a quote from early on in the history of the society where Archbishop Lefebvre says uh, something kind of like, well, you know, who knows, this crisis might last 10 or 15 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, hi- in hindsight, that's obviously a bit amusing, but it, it does show that uh, that that he probably – I mean, I guess nobody ever knows what the future holds, but uh, probably celebrating 50 years uh, in these circumstances is, is not what he would have expected. But uh, – here we are, and uh, I think it's a it's a beautiful testimony of the fidelity of the society to the Archbishop's original vision that we're celebrating 50 years and still seeing uh, growth and conversion and and all the other good things. Well, and I was thinking about it a little bit in 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 my mind. It's 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 a little bit bittersweet because I do remember reading that same quote that you mentioned, Jim, from the Archbishop about uh, you know he didn't really expect that this, this issue and that the society of St. Pius X would really be needed past, you know, a few years. Um, so that, that's why I say in a sense, it's bittersweet. It's, it's great because, right. you know, the SSPX is still carrying the torch for tradition and, and doing these wonderful things, but you kind of wish that we, that the society wasn't needed really. 
Uh, yeah, in a way, that's true. But I mean, there are, there have been hopeful things as well in the past 50 years. So it's, it's not all doom and gloom. I mean, it's also true to say, I think that something like Samorum Pontificum, uh, you know, ask uh, seeing the Holy Father allow every priest of, of the Latin Church to say the traditional mass uh, after everything the archbishop went through in the 70s and 80s. Uh, it, it's, that, that's probably unthinkable as well. So that's true. Uh, I think it's important to point out that it's it's not all bad. Right. Um, but uh, well, there are some celebrations planned uh, and, and some of those details were, were just announced. Uh, looks like the Society of St. Pius X will be doing a, a pilgrimage or a celebration of sorts to uh, to Lourdes. Is that right? That's right. Next October. So again, October of 2020. And the society uh, always has an annual pilgrimage to Lourdes. And I think uh, this, well, for the 50th anniversary, they're they're using that uh, pre-existing occasion to celebrate 50 years. So I'm sure in the upcoming months, and uh, we're a little over a year out from that celebration, there will be more details available. Um, and I know, I, I know some people are already organizing pilgrimages and, and there's some information available. Um, as soon as we have more information, we'll obviously, uh, uh let everyone know, but, uh, yeah, sure. that'll be a happy occasion. That's wonderful. So in your role as communications director for the U S district, uh, obviously you wear a lot of hats and you handle a lot of different things. Um, but for, Traditional Catholics in the United States, there's really three websites that that we may know about. Um, and so I wanted to chat with you a little bit about those. So there's um, sure. sspx.org. So that's the website for the U.S. District. And then there's right. um, fsspx.news. Uh, and now there's a third website. So can we start just chatting a little bit about why why is there now a third English language website for the Society of St. Pius X? Uh, Sure. And I, I, I know it can be confusing. Uh, to start with the simplest one, I think sspx.org, as you mentioned, that's the official site of the U.S. district. So if you're looking for uh, dates of retreats or, or conferences, or if you're looking for a chapel when you're on the road, uh, when confirmations are going to happen, all of that kind of U.S.-centric information is there. And okay. so that, that has its own specific purpose. And, and we use it for uh, things that are primarily for or people who live in America or are traveling to America. Uh, the news site is, uh, again, it's you know more or less two years old, and it's an outgrowth of what used to be Dichi, but that's a commentary on what's going on in the church and the world. Again, we're not, we're not a news agency in the sense that we have bureaus and we're breaking news, but we try to cover what's going on and give uh, a unique perspective, a traditional Catholic perspective that you can't find other places. The third one is is probably the most interesting because it's new. So uh, as the news site was developing, we started to include some commentary, either either theological commentary, for instance, on the sacraments or or things on the spiritual life. So uh, the decision was made a few months ago to actually have a. Uh, uh, a separate site for for spiritualities, for for living the faith, for for getting a deeper understanding of of the mysteries of, of Catholic tradition and the, and the church's life. So now you uh, you can go uh, they're They're kind of sister sites, news and spirituality, because you can you can flip back and forth between the two pretty easily if you're on one or the other. And the idea is to, um, you know, expand the apostolate to to help traditional Catholics and, and everyone uh, know more about what the church does and and how uh, how we can sanctify our lives and our families' lives and uh, with a with a special emphasis on our lady so that that's something again that's uh, it's, it's relatively new and hopefully will continue to grow 
Wonderful. So, so the spirituality website, we've been kind of referring to that in shorthand, but that's at fsspx.life. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm right. just looking at it now, Jim, and there's, there's articles like Feast of St. Rose of Lima and St. Pius X and the Spiritual Motherhood of Our Lady. So it's, it's not necessarily about news, something that's happening in the traditional Catholic right. world, uh, but it's, it's more about well, spiritual, spiritual things, spirituality, a little bit of a deeper dive in, into uh, doctrine or, or the saints or life of Our Lady or things like that. Exactly. Okay. Wonderful. Speaking of the website, uh, one of the things I've noticed and other people have noticed as well, there aren't any authors on the website. So whether we're talking about right. fsspx.news or sspx.org, is it that we don't want to let people know who is writing them or is it that these are official positions and so therefore there's really no need or uh, why, why are there no authors like there are in most other uh, it's, websites? It's a fair question and uh, and, and I, w- I would point out that uh, this isn't a universal policy. So, for example, uh, in our magazine in the Angeles, we we have attribution of articles. And when there is a statement from the superiors, so for instance, if, if uh, Father Pagliarani wants to issue a statement, then those are attributed. And the reason we don't for everything else is frankly because we have a team of writers, not all of whom are, are native English speakers, and we we don't want to distract from the content of the piece. So it's kind of an Aquinas-esque focus on what's being written, not who's writing it. Uh, there's a team of editors, again, both uh, both on the, the English language side and then, of course, uh, internationally who review things. And, um, you know, it happens a lot that uh, things get uh, edited and added to by different people. So a lot of them end up being a mix of different authors. And so it's uh, it's just simpler to to focus on the content. And for that reason, we don't we don't give attribution. I know it's not common, but it's also not uh, we're, we're not the only company that does that. So uh, that's that's the main reason it's it's to it's to focus on what we're saying. So, so you're saying uh, it's not all you that's, that's writing all of these articles and I can't blame you for things that I think. Thank, thankfully not. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, just kind of wrapping up our conversation about the society of St. Pius the 10th more broadly before we switch, you know, hats to Angelus. Sure. Uh, oh, and, and you're going to have to correct me on this quote. And it just came to mind. Who was it that wrote, uh, there, there are many people who hate, uh, the Catholic church, but, no one who hates the Catholic church, if they know about it, I'm, I'm absolutely butchering that quote, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's a paraphrase. You know, I've seen that quote attributed to, to several people, but I think it's Fulton Sheen. Okay. I could be wrong, but you're right. It's, uh, it's, it's something like that. All right. Well, on, in that vein, then I wanted to ask you, what is one thing, and this is kind of a question in two parts. What's one thing that you wish every person who attends an SSPX chapel knew about the Society of St. Pius X, or maybe about the U.S. District? Ooh, uh, you know, I would say, and, and, uh, and I, I realize uh, how controversial this might sound, but if you read the statutes of the Society, if you read what Archbishop Lefebvre put down in writing as sort of the internal rule, the, 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 the reason why the Society exists, he, he focuses almost entirely on the priesthood, and he focuses on the formation of priests, on the need for priests in the world, on priestly sanctity, and then also on helping priests who are either uh, from other dioceses or orders, helping the the aged, the, the the sick, and so on. And so uh, it's true that almost from the beginning, you have this confrontation with uh, the council and with the new mass and with all the with, with the crisis in the church. But I suppose I would say I I would. I would hate for people to to lose sight of the fact that that 
that all, I mean, it flows out of the priesthood, of course, and that's why, as, as similarly with with why the society runs schools. But the real essence of the society is is the formation, defense, and promotion of the Catholic priesthood. And I think sometimes that gets lost in all of the uh, the, the legitimate controversies and politics that we've been dealing with for fifty years. Maybe you don't want to answer this follow up question. Don't blame me if you don't. Um, but <laughs> w- what are some example? What what are some things that the Society of Saint Pius X is doing that I don't want to say that that doesn't fit into the mission? Because again, all all the ancillary things that the society is doing is to promote the priesthood. But uh, could you give right. me an example or two of of some things that? Well, this this wasn't in the original plan fifty years ago when when Archbishop Lefebvre was was thinking about this and praying about this. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't know how early on the schools became an issue. I don't I don't think they were originally part of the statutes, but again, it became increasingly clear very early on, the early 70s, that the Catholic schools had been infected with the same errors and problems that uh, that all of all of the Christian world was dealing with. And so right. it became clear very early on that, well, we have to we have to do something. We have to provide schools for parents because uh, we don't have options. Families don't have options. So that might be one example. And so it, that kind of came about as a, as a need. You know, we're, we're not going to get new vocations to the priesthood, which is the you know the, the main point of the SSPX uh, without education. So well, we have to. So it's it's as time went went on and and. The archbishop and uh, superiors of the SSPX realized this was going to be a longer effort than they realized. Then some of these things just kind of fell into place, right? I think that's fair. Okay. So the second half of the of the question then is, what is one thing that you wish every Catholic knew about the SSPX? So we talked about what is something every SSPX faithful uh, knew about the SSPX. What about the broader Catholic world? What What do you wish every single Catholic knew about the SSPX, if you could? Uh, off the top of my head, the one thing that comes up uh, very often, especially if I'm traveling around the country or, or speaking somewhere else, is a lot of times, and we do it ourselves too, what does the SSPX think about this? Or what does the SSPX think about this? As if we had a kind of magisterial element yeah. to what we do. Yeah. And yeah. more often than not, what I what I say is, well, I mean, the position of the society is the position of the church. It's what the church has always taught. We, we haven't invented anything. We haven't come up with any new doctrines of our own. I mean, you can look at any old catechism or Catholic commentary and well, that's what we believe. That's what we teach. So I, I get the impression sometimes that, that uh, especially people who don't know much about the history of the society, they, they really do look at us as if we have invented or come up with uh, some positions of our own or doctrines of our own that are somehow different from what the church always taught. So that's painting with a broad brush, but I, the challenge I give to some people sometimes as well, I mean, find something that the society uh, does or says or teaches that is not part of what the church always did. Right. Very interesting. Uh, I didn't Archbishop Lefebvre himself say, I'm not trying to set up a parallel church. Uh, and and yeah, I, I, I think many people think that in, in a sense, we, we almost are, and it's not. <laughs> right. Very interesting. Well, uh, let's, let's move on to Angelus Press. Uh, you're the editor of Angelus Press as well. And uh, October is always a busy time. We're about a month away from the Angelus Press conference. Um, there's lots of information about the conference online. You can go to angelspress.org. But uh, I just wanted to pick your brain for a second or two while I had you sure. about about the the theme and and is there anything that you're particularly looking forward to? Uh, the theme, of course, is defense of the family, fortifying Catholic marriage. That's going to be in October fourth, fifth, and sixth. What made 
you pick this theme, Jim, for the for the conference this year? Well, by way of explanation, I, I don't pick the themes personally. We Every year after the conference, we sit down with the editorial team and, of course, Father Wegner, the district superior, and we, we try to get a sense of what is most needed among traditional Catholics, among, among society parishioners. Uh, it's funny because we also collect – every year at the conference, we ask people to submit their questions or, or follow-ups or – Uh, suggestions for themes. And this is our 10th conference. And this is the first time to an extent we have duplicated a topic or revisited a topic because we did do a conference a few years ago on the family, but with a different emphasis. Now, the reason we chose the topic of family and marriage is because overwhelmingly from the answers we received from people who have attended the conference or even people who uh, have not attended the conference but would like to, and talking with the priests, they they see this as uh, something so critical and, and such a, a harsh reality of the modern world is that uh, the family and marriage is under attack. And of course, all the topics we've chosen over these past 10 years, we haven't exhausted. You can't really, you, you can only really scratch the surface in three days of talks. And that's why we pick these themes is we, we hope to give a little introduction, give some practical advice, give some doctrine, some history, some context for everything that Catholic families have to deal with today. And this is a response to, to the crisis of the modern world. And obviously the society uh, wants to help families. They want families to stay Catholic. They know it's not easy for parents in the world today. And this is an attempt to lend the assistance they can. So it's, it's definitely about supporting marriage, supporting traditional Catholic marriage, especially. I'm just looking at the, at the website now for, for registration. You're definitely putting your money where your mouth is because there's, <laughs> there's uh, uh, specials and, and packages for married couples as well. So there's that too. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Great. And then pivoting a little bit to The Angelus itself, the magazine. Sure. Again, there's always a theme. It's released bi-monthly. So every two months, there's a new issue of The Angelus. And there's always a theme to it. How do you decide on the themes? Is it similar to the, it, the conference? It's, it's very similar. We And I would point out that whatever the theme is, it, it occupies about a third of the magazine. So it's not like if the theme is you know something like the new mass, it's not like every single page is on the new mass. It's about a third of the magazine that we try to dedicate to a a particular topic. And then, of course, the rest of the magazine has regular columns. So we always have something on liturgy. We try to have something on history. We try to have something on the spiritual life. Okay. And we get together and we try to hear from priests what people need. Um, but I guess one thing I would I would emphasize, and this is – I only mention this because we get this feedback from time to time that it's perceived as a kind of academic journal, that, that there are – uh, 20 page articles or articles that are, you know, theologically dense that you would need some formation to try to get through. And it's not that we haven't done things like that in the past, but I would emphasize that, you know, we, we've tried really hard over the past five to seven, eight years to make our articles more accessible. So for instance, most things in the magazine aren't over 1500 words. We're not, we, we know that we know that life is hectic and we, we try not to create a scenario where you have to commit hour or two to read an article. In the Angelus. It's designed to be something you can pick up, read an article in 15 or 20 minutes, and then come back to. And that's that's also part of the reason we went to a bi-monthly magazine. You know, we you know, we went from I think it was a 44-page magazine every month to an 88-page magazine every other month. So 
it's the same amount of content. And again, because it's not a news magazine, you're not really missing out on anything. It's, uh, it's, it saves money on, sh- on shipping and printing, which uh, makes the subscription cheaper than it otherwise would be. But it's really designed to be something timeless. Uh, we do have a little section on the news, but it's not the main purpose of the magazine. So uh, I encourage people, if they have that impression or if they haven't picked up a copy of The Angelist in a few years, uh, I would encourage them to do that. Find an issue that maybe has a topic that appeals to you or even if the theme has – no interest in your life. Uh, keep in mind that two thirds of the magazine is still uh, for for the average everyday Catholic in the pew. So that's my little sales pitch. If if you haven't looked in the at the Angelus for a few years, maybe maybe give it another shot. Fair enough. So the uh, the issue that's out right now is uh, on the topic of the domestic church. And again, there's other topics like you just said. Angelus Press hosts the conference. There's the magazine that we've talked about. And then, of course, publishing books and, and pamphlets and materials. What are some upcoming releases that uh, you're working on with Angelus Press right now? That's a great question. We have a uh, it's, it's kind of a reprint because this is a, a, a book that the seminary used to publish, our seminary in America. And it's, it's called a, a Layman's Guide to Vatican II. It's a really brief introduction. Uh, more of a booklet than a book, uh, a treatment of, of the council, the history, uh, the, what is an ecumenical council to begin with, what made Vatican II different from all the other councils, uh, what are our critiques and, and problems with Vatican II. So I'm excited about that because we've obviously published for almost 40 years now uh, lots of books about Vatican II, but a lot of them are not uh, introductory level treatments. And a lot of people don't have the time or interest to read something like Michael Davies' book on on the, the Second Vatican Council on Religious Liberty, or sure. even Pope John's Council, or even even some of the Archbishop's works, uh, which tend to be a little longer. So I'm excited about that, just because it's it's a good refresher. If you're already a traditional Catholic, it's a great apologetical book. If you want to, if someone ever asks you, so you know, what is the deal with Vatican II? It's a, it's a great little apologetical booklet, which hopefully leads people who are interested to the other more substantive books on the topic that we have. So I, I was just going to say, there's there's the Michael Davies set of, of books. There's there's three volumes there, Pope Paul's New Mass, Pope John's Council, and uh, what is the last one? Help me. Well, the, it's the first one, Cramer's Godly Order. Okay. Those are big. Those are scholarly. And what this book is, it, it kind of condenses that all and, and, and makes it a little bit more easy to dive into. That's right. Great. I'll confess I uh, haven't finished reading all three of those. So I might have to shocking. pause and <laughs> shocking. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, you're not alone. <laughs> well, there's, there's that at least. So one more quick question before we get off of the Angelus press advertisement <laughs> for, sure. for the last yes. 10 minutes, 2020 calendar Angelus press is still going to do that next year. Is that right? That is correct. And uh, it should be available fairly soon. In fact, we, we tried a few new things last year with our calendar that were not well received. So for instance, just to have more space in the actual dates, we, we took out the, the, the liturgical color of the day, uh, thinking that, you know, well, people would probably prefer to have more space to write notes. That did not go over very well. Whoops. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we, we take feedback very seriously. So I encourage all of you to keep sending feedback. So we're going we're, we're going back to the format from, well, not just uh, 2017 and 18, but everything we did before. So the calendar will have a more familiar look to it. And that, again, that should be available uh, in a few weeks, frankly. That's great. As, as long as you don't get, get rid of the little fish, I'm, I'm going to be happy because that's, that's the only way I know what to eat. Yeah. Well, the fish are there. Okay, good. Um, 
So moving off of Angela's Press and, and just chatting with you a little bit, Jim, what are, sure. what's a book that you're reading right now that uh, Angela's Press doesn't, doesn't carry? And I didn't ask you about this ahead of time. No, fair, it's, fair it's fine. Uh, I'm, I'm reading a book called When Bishops Meet. Um, and the, the subtitle is an essay comparing Trent Vatican I and Vatican II. It's written by oh, wow. a Jesuit priest named uh, John O'Malley. He's, he's something of, a, of an expert in ecumenical council. So, for instance, he's written a book on Trent. He's written a book on Vatican I and, of course, Vatican II. And now he's – this is a, it's a shorter book. I mean he's uh, – I think he's in his 90s. So, uh, you know, I don't I don't know uh, how many more books he plans on writing. I, I would love to have a series on every single ecumenical council in the church. But because he's done book length treatments of Trent, Vatican I and Vatican II, he wrote this little booklet comparing the three. What do they have in common? What topics did they discuss? What was different? And I think the thing I'm not finished with it, but the thing that's most interesting to me is that he's he's probably of a let's say a more liberal persuasion. Um, certainly, okay. then he's not a he's not a traditional Catholic, but he himself admits that Vatican II was absolutely different uh, in many ways from the various councils that preceded it. Uh, he explains why it was different, and that's that's interesting to me because it's one thing for. For the Society of St. Pius X to say that, and it's easy to blow them off. Well, of course, you guys are going to say that you have problems with Vatican II. But it's a different thing for someone who's a champion of Vatican II to say, hey, listen, this is the way in which uh, Vatican II is totally different from every other ecumenical council in the history of the church. So I found that an interesting thing. But again, I haven't I haven't finished it, so I can't give a final verdict. Wow, that's interesting. I, I, I'm hopeful that uh, you'll do a a, a review or someone on, on Angel's press staff will do think, a review I, of that. I think we are going to do a review of it. Um, we'll, we'll see who gets tasked with that. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll even put a name on that one. <laughs> Just for me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, fair, uh, full disclosure. I'm not the one writing it, right? I hope not. Okay. Me too. Uh, <laughs> and then a follow up question to that. What is a book that someone else published that you would have loved to have published? I, I know I, I studied art back in the day and, and artists were always commenting, ah, I wish I would have painted that. that. That's perfect. What's something that you've seen someone else publish recently that you wish Angelus Press could have done? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Again, off the top of my head, and it's something we actually carry, but uh, The Golden Legend is something that I would have, I would have loved to publish. It's a... Uh, it's a medieval collection of the lives of the saints, and it was a, a Dominican friar who who kind of did something like what the Brothers Grimm did in Germany in the 19th century. You know, he he went around and tried to collect all the original source material for you know the life of this saint and the life of this saint. And he put it into a collection. You know, again, it's it's not necessarily always historically factual, but it gives you a sense of what. Uh, the medieval church thought about the lives of the fathers and the martyrs and what stories they were sharing. And of course, because it's written in the 13th century, you know, you, you're not going to find saints from the last 700 years, but sure. that's more for historical interest than anything else. I would have loved to have paid for a translation of the golden legend, but, uh, but we do carry it. So I encourage people to buy it. Uh, it's a really fascinating read. And again, gives you a, an insight into, uh, medieval and patristic theology and spirituality. Fascinating. Well, that that's about the questions I, I had for this time, Jim. I'd, I'd love to chat with you again more. I, I know we talked once before on the podcast. I'd love to have you back on and just chat a little bit more about broadly the, the Society of St. Pius sure. X and, and what the efforts are and why does the SSPX do this? I, you know, we, we have questions with Father, which is more of a 
theological, you know, father can right. help me understand this, but on a more practical level, I'd love to chat with you about some more questions. And, and if our listeners have questions, they're, they're welcome to submit them uh, for Jim as well at uh, sspxpodcast.com. Well, thanks so much for your time. I know you're busy and uh, it was great to no, chat with thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Likewise. Alrighty. God bless. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the SSPX podcast. As always, this podcast is free to listen to, but if you are able to, please visit sspxpodcast.com and you'll be able to find instructions on how to sign up for a $5 a month automatic donation. Even a small donation like that would help us out quite a bit. It takes resources to make this apostolate happen, and we would gratefully appreciate any support you could give us. If you're not able to donate monthly or monetarily, you can help us by sending a friend over to this podcast or by showing them how to subscribe. One benefit to subscribing is that you never miss any upcoming episodes. They're delivered right to your phone or your computer or your tablet. And that way, you'll be sure to not miss the upcoming episode with Father Robinson and Questions with Father number 22, where we'll dive into our Sunday obligation, whether or not it's okay to miss mass if you're traveling or working, and we'll also talk about music. What's okay to listen to? What's not? You'll get that benefit if you subscribe to the SSPX podcast. Until next time, thank you for listening and God bless you.